Welcome to the QAC Team Podcast Series with your host, Charles Luttrell. Our series features leaders and business owners in your community discussing the customer experience, employee satisfaction, and performance improvement. Our series will help share strategic ideas for coaching and mentoring through mystery shopping in a post-pandemic economy. And now here's your host, Charles Luttrell. Good afternoon, listeners. My guest today has had success with his award-winning film, Overserved, in 2004. It won Boston International Film's Most Effectively Offensive and Best Feature Film with the Boston International Comedy and Movie Festival, shooting a six-episode series available on the Pluto app called From Scratch. He's also written and published an accompanying book called Seriously From Scratch. He is a private chef appears at food festivals, on radio shows, speaks at events, and lives in Boston, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Joe Gatto. Chef. Well, thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. Oh. I, I feel like I'm in one of the Rocky movies. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, thank you. I really am excited to be here today and uh, just kind of talk food and life with you. I uh, appreciate that. It's two things I love as well, food and life. <laughs> exactly. One, they both go hand in hand, right? Yes, they do. So let's talk about the films first, because I know you had a couple of um, films that you were in and produced. I know Oversurge was probably the first, right? Yeah, that was the biggie back in the day. Um, that set me down this path. You know, I had done films since I was in my 20s. I moved to California from Boston and um, just kind of always loved film and i was really drawn to it and i did it for 10 years until i started down my second career path which was food and became a chef but then they intertwined when i got my tv show and started doing television and realized that you know my worlds collide as george would say and i just absolutely adore doing both from the creative aspect because for me i've never been a nine to five or anything like that i've always been an artist and that's how i've always made my living and when i got to do both of them at once where i was writing producing i was you know doing the recipes i was doing all the hosting and the cooking i really found something i loved so you know now i have two other shows one's in development and a second one will be actually going to market and I just find so much joy in doing that. Plus my first one that I met my wife on the set of my feature film Overserved. So she produced my first TV show and my kids were in it. So it's kind of a love letter to my family and probably one of the best produced uh, home movies of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't seen Overserved yet. That's definitely on my list. I do apologize. I will definitely... Yeah, yeah, I'll send you a copy of that. That's, you know, I was young. I was trying to make something that was different. And, you know, it's, I love it. And I can see what a mess it is at the same time. But that's what art is, right? You start trying to figure out what your voice is. And it's the same in life. You know, you're constantly trying to figure out what your place is on this planet. And when I started in film, you know, It was just a lot. You could see all the influences and just some plain stealing at times um, of all my favorites because I was trying to figure out 
how to tell my own story. And now as I'm older and I have a better idea of who I am and what I want to do, the stories are much easier for me to tell mm-hmm. and are genuine. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, you go from films and then how did you transition into getting into cooking and then up to, you know, the latest show with uh, from scratch? I, I think all that's very interesting. How did that come about? Yeah, it's it's a crazy journey. Um, I was doing film. My wife and I were in L.A. You know, we're just in the middle of it. We we're just knee deep in making movies and we were having a blast. We would newly married living in la um i was working at sony she was working at a talent agency and then she got pregnant with my son and when she got pregnant with my son it really changed both our perspectives because we both had a conversation and neither of us wanted to raise benjamin in la in the film industry Mm. yeah the film industry you know, for as much as I love it, I, I found I found it fairly despicable for most of the people I met. Um, it's a very screw over your friends, even if you're hugging them and you're stabbing them in the back. I met some fantastic people as well, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of a dirty industry in that sense that there no one thinks there's enough room for everyone at the top. Yeah. And... I didn't, that's not who I am. I don't, some people like, you know, they dig that part of it. That wasn't, that wasn't something I enjoyed. I enjoyed the art and the writing with my wife. So when she got pregnant, I said, you know, I really, my first love had always been cooking. I grew up on the countertops in my mom's kitchen, watching Julia Child and Jacques Pepin sift in flour and cutting cookies and things like that. And then eventually graduating to doing, you know, a lot of the cooking. Because my dad was a horrible cook. <laughs> Bless his soul. <laughs> Bless his soul. Yeah. He, uh, I, until I was like 15, I thought that sausage should be butterfly and charcoal. You know, I thought it was a little briquette when I actually had really good sausage. I was like, well, wait, this is safe? <laughs> so what, what happened was I started doing classes out of my house and it started with just a couple of my friends and it was like the old Prell commercial. They told two friends, then they told two friends. And next thing I know, I just had this little successful side business going out of my house on the weekends. And I really enjoyed it more. I enjoyed the entrepreneurship of it. I really enjoyed teaching people. And I realized I had a real knack for food and I really loved digging into it. So we moved, we decided to move back where our family was in Massachusetts when, um, to raise Benjamin and, you know, get a bigger family going. So we moved back here. I started teaching out of the school and I don't know, it was like six months in a woman came in who owned a private chef business. She took my class and she cornered me after. And she said, you know, you, you have a great personality and your food that you're making here is fantastic. She said, have you ever thought of being a private chef? And I said, you know, I really hadn't. And she said, well, why don't you come and kind of audition for me and we'll see. So I went and cooked with her for a day and she hired me and I got a couple clients right away. And about a year after that, I bought the business from her. Oh, wow. 
because I understood what it was now. Mm -hmm. And I changed it to more A-listers. And then I got a Red Sox player, a Celtics player. And I really started to take that business to the next level. And at the same time, I was meeting a lot of chefs, um, just doing a lot of events because uh, I was I love being in front of people. So that kind of worked to my advantage. Mm -hmm. So I was meeting a lot of bigger people in the industry and they were really it was the opposite of film. I found right away that instead of everyone punching you in the face, everyone opened their arms because film is not that way. But food is about sharing. Right. And it's about sharing a recipe or a meal or just that time. Mm -hmm. And I embrace that. So I got a book deal through another chef, Andy Husbands. He introduced me to his publisher and they gave me a deal because they thought from scratch was a really interesting thing that I did. I had a little niche. So we did that. And then my wife said to me, I think you should do a TV show. She said, I think you have the personality for it. She said, you definitely have the understanding of how to run a production from producing to writing and to editing. And I said, yeah, maybe. And she said, and I think from scratch is really interesting. I think people will too. And I was like, yeah, but how do you do from scratch in a half hour? You know, everything takes so long. But I thought it was an interesting challenge. So I wrote a pilot episode, got my friends who do TV, and we shot it. And they, one of my friends cut it. And that, it was literally not a month after we finished cutting it. My wife had given me as a present, which she tends to do. And um, she was having her best client from real estate, from lawyers and everything. And I was teaching a pasta class for them as a present. Oh, wow. After the class, they kind of cornered me and said, you know, they were angel investors and they were looking to maybe open a restaurant. Is that something I'd ever be interested in? And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> that, definitely not your guy for a restaurant that I don't understand it. I know how hard it is. And that's definitely not what I do. I'm more of a diva and I love my private chefing. I was like, but interesting enough, I do have a pilot to a TV show I just did. And they were like, oh, could we see that? And I said, sure. So I sent it to them. And a couple of months later, they gave me all the money for an entire season. Wow. So you went from, hey, we want to fund you for a restaurant to, hey, let's fund you for the show. Yeah. We, I, well, I figured it's an investment either way. Yeah. And TV is really exciting. Yeah, so great. And I knew if I got the money that I could do it. And I know, you know, I know the odds. I knew it, you know, like a TV show actually getting on air anywhere is less than slim to none. Mm -hmm. But I also knew I, I had the personality for it. And I knew I had the production backgrounds. I knew I could pull it off. I knew I could do something that was unique and different. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt I was ready for it. So I wrote a whole season and we shot it out and I made charcoal from scratch. I hand forged my own knives. I pulled water out of the Atlantic and made salt. I milked cows and made butter and cheese. I broke down a whole cow and ground them into hamburgers and made hot dogs. I mean, I did everything. And, you know, I wanted to segue into that, into your, to your show. That series was beautifully done. I got to tell you. I really appreciate that. I, when I watched it, every episode was just 
you know, and I, the notes I made were, I love the personal touch, you know, the home baking, you made it look so easy. I'm sitting there like, oh, I could do all this from scratch. I'm looking like, I'm not a cook. I just just better keep going and buying my stuff, you know, but you made it, you made it just so pleasant to watch. I couldn't wait for the next episode. It was great. Awesome. I, I, I can't tell you how much that means to me because that, that was the idea of that we'd make something that seemed difficult, but it was completely accessible. Right. You know, you think, oh, I'm getting, that guy's doing crazy things. But all of a sudden, when you see it, you're like, wait a second. That's not as hard as I thought it was. Because I, th- I think everyone's image of, you know, grinding your own flour or making your own pasta is like, oh, man, I don't have that kind of time. But all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. It's not that hard. And it's a fun thing to share. So. Right. That was that was kind of the the mantra going in, and when we finished the show, I thought we had something pretty special. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple friends on the West Coast from my time there, um, and I sent it to one of them, my friend Tony Crow, who does like sound design for. He's done every big music act there is. Mm-hmm on their CDs and I sent it over to him. He had him and I had been chatting and he called me like a half hour after I sent it to him and the first episode. And he was like, look, this show's not just good for like cooking show. This show's just really good. Right. And he had a friend who had just started at a distribution company. And that's what you need is the next step. You need distribution before you get onto a network. You don't just get picked up by a network. Oh, okay. It has to go through the proper channels it's a long it's a long grueling task so it's a whole process yeah yeah Yeah. someone to see your show that distribute show and once they a distributor makes a deal with you to distribute your show let it be upfront fees percentages worldwide distribution whatever it is Mm-hmm. Then it go. They bring it to the networks. They have that. They make the deal with the network, and then the network has to decide mm-hmm. if you up. If if in a pre-existing show, it works different when you're developing one, right? And um, he sent it over to his friend, and his friends loved it. She thought it was fantastic. She brought it to her boss. He loved it, and then it went up the chain till it got to the VP, and. The VP saw it, who's now a great friend of mine, uh, Danny Boulardi, over at Principal Media. And he's actually the distributor for my new two, two new shows. Um, he saw it, and he loved it, and he called me, and he said, I'm Danny Boulardi from Principal Media, and we're really interested in being the distributor for your show. And at first, I, I thought it was Tony Crow and one of his friends screwing around. But... <laughs> But then after talking for a little while, we were like, oh, wow, this guy's legit. Principal Media is no joke. And they picked us up. And then they got us to Pluto TV. And Pluto TV took us. And then we got on air the month the pandemic started. And it absolutely crushed. Uh And still doing well. And just people, I get emails, letters, Instagram messages every day from people that have watched the show and found it inspirational and it's kind of just done its thing in the world where it's found an audience. I always loved Julia child. And I found that she was the biggest inspiration when she was cooking that 
she made everyone feel like they could cook. And when we sat down to make the show, that was really the key component for mm-hmm. me to, to get in the kitchen and not just make meals that they want to shove in their pie hole, but to make meals that they want to share and not just share the meal, share the time together. Share right. Them, knowing that food and breaking bread together is something that's so wonderful and intimate and it's it's a way to share time like no other and it seemed to have done that that's something i liked about it you know the episodes were all about you know family you were getting your family involved your kids your wife and then you know the end with um with your birthday yeah just it was it was really cool thanks you know that's one of yeah, that's one of the best things I liked about it was the whole personal touch to it. It just, you know, it 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 just it puts you in your show, you know. I, I that that was kind of I wanted everybody to like feel like we were in their living room just sharing time and that they were going to see us tomorrow. One of the biggest compliments I get from people is when they when I'll meet them and you know doing an event or even just at Whole Foods the other day, mm-hmm. and someone will say. Oh, I'll talk to them for a couple minutes. They'll that they'll be fans of the show or my radio show or something. And after talking to them for just a couple minutes, someone will say, "You know, you're the exact same on and off the air." That's a, that's a huge compliment to me because that was that was a big thing for us. That it's not shtick, it's not a TV persona. This is what we do. My family and I spend a lot of time, and we spend a lot of time cooking. And mm-hmm. I mean, we were just talking before I came on and. One of my daughters is homesick today and we, you know, just making dough, rolling out pizza and just sitting there chit-chatting as she's sniffling away. But the pizza was really good and she loved it. It was a 72-hour dough that I had left over and we just had a blast. And, you know, that kind of time, you can order a pizza and uh, and it can be great and it'd be delicious. But when you make a pizza, you're making a memory. And, and, I, and I was going to say that. Think or, about the memories you're making. Absolutely. That, and that's what the show was. You know, it's it wasn't hard to make the show when I share things like that with them all the time when I do trips. I mean, I was on the cover of magazine a couple months ago and they flew, they fly me to Austin for it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, part of part of it is, you know, my family comes with me and they were so generous and they were like, of course. Right. So the fam came down. Because my career is, it's all encompassing. And that's really what I wanted to show people that, you know, spending that time doing these trips, it builds such a closeness and such a relationship that it's invaluable. And for me, it all, it, you know, food is kind of the focus, but it's the backdrop to really the family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, going on those adventures, you know, knee deep in the muddy waters looking they're looking for the family (laughs) that day was still my son's 13 now and he's just he's such a little guy in that one and he still talks about that day right it was just the mud was i was laughing so hard look at the mud man you guys were what waist deep in it (laughs) a lot of flip-flops were lost that day and never recovered (laughs) The, the clams now own them Right. And, you know, I, I made a note, right, because I'm just curious. 
because since the show was so raw, that's the best way to put it. It was raw. You just, you could say it was your personality. I don't think it was staged. You know, it wasn't a lot of, you know, let's, let's play this out first and then record it. You just, you shot it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And my question, my question was, were there any bloopers? Oh God, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, that's your personality. Yeah, I, I there, know was, it. <laughs> there was another season's worth of bloopers. <laughs> there was so much shit that went wrong. And like some of it like ended up in the show, you know, like we we did. Some of it ended up in there where, you know, like the hot dogs going wrong, just things like that. You'll see as the as you play out, but yeah, there was that's that's life, right? Like yeah. I'm a big believer in that failure is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And the lobster when you were having trouble abandoning the claws and the lobster. <laughs> oh, and, and Captain Dave was just relentlessly giving me crap the entire time. Had <laughs> had you that that was like a four hour tour it was like Gilligan's Island. Oh, the amount of shit he gave me at the time was, and it was so funny. Like, we became buds, like, instantaneously. And it was so, every because I didn't, I've never been lobstering. Uh-huh. Lobstering, you don't realize, like, man, lobstering's friggin' hard. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same as, like, go for crabs, too, right? Because you got, it's kind of same pots, right? Where you, you catch yeah. them the same way. Yep. Yep, it was it was just a it's just a lot. I think that I learned a lot about just how hard people's jobs are as well. Like mm-hmm. we we went to pick everything that we were going to use on the show through the entire season. We wanted to either pick it off a tree or pull it out of the ground just to have as B-roll. So we went up to a farm for a day and they were like, "Oh, you know, we we have this this this, you can pull this and you know, so I was up on that farm. There were the guys that were working on the farm were there like two hours before me. And I went out on the farm and I started picking stuff. I was about an hour in and I'm like in tears, like someone's holding an umbrella to shield me from the sun. I'm chugging water. The guys that are working on the farm are just looking at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> Don't let him work here because he's useless. <laughs> He'll never make it. No, I would never make I was like, how could they do this all day? I'm like, oh my God, it's so hot. It's so hard. I'm bent over. Now, was it uh was it challenging to be able to you to get up to Fenway to um be allowed to pick their, no, their vegetables? Fairly easy. We um it it was it, that was a really fun thing to do because it was brand new at the time, the the Fenway farms. But um they let us I knew the people that were installing the gardens mm. back when they were pulling them in. And then I started cooking for a Red Sox player. So it was, it was fairly easy to get up there and it was, they've done even more with it. Now I, I've been trying to push to do like a dinner up there. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That would like, you'd literally pick the produce and make something. Yeah. So I, I, one of the part that stuck out with me was when you were doing the um, hot dog making. Yes, that, that was some funny. That was some funny stuff. And I know there's bloopers galore there. Oh but, my! <laughs> but you had mentioned that um, there was no mentor for how to make the hot dogs. You just had to figure it out on your own. 
Yeah, that was the whole thing. Was that that was that guy's Phil ended up? He's my sous chef now. He ended oh, up like getting so into cooking. He was playing in bands at the time, but I mean that was like six years ago. And he just jumped into food, and now he does tons of events with me, and he's a fantastic cook. But look, he wanted to make hot dogs beforehand. He's like, you know, can we go by your house this week before we shoot next week so I get a better feel of how it works? And I was like, no. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, I think you should struggle. He was panicked before we even went on. Oh, man. That's great. That, that was good. Yeah, that, that was, was good. A fun thing to do. And the, and the hot dogs really did come out awesome. Yeah, I, I liked that. I forgot which uh, camera man it was. The one that he tried at the last. He said he always tries things. and Oh, he, yeah, that was Ryan. Ryan, he asked about how, you know, he was like, I'm honest about how they taste. And he looked at the camera and was like, Oh yeah, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, those were that, that. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was the we made five pounds of homemade maple chipotle bacon, and I ground that up with pork and like uh, ground pork, the homemade bacon, and a little beef and garlic and a couple other things, and then emulsified it and stuffed them. Ugh. Those things, I still remember them being off, and we did the the Stoneham Farmer's Market and fed a whole bunch of people and people just went crazy. The food came out really good. Right. That's great. Yeah, they, they looked, your crew looked like they had a fun time too. Is that the same crew that you used the, the whole time? They like your group of friends? Yeah. Your film crew? Guys, uh, Tony Flanagan, who's one of the camera guys. I've been friends with Tony since, good Lord, 1988. And... He's like an award-winning cinematographer. Ryan Cavanaugh, who was the director. I've been friends for, I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20 years, something like that. And Adam, I've known forever as well. Yeah, I tried to, when we were putting the crew together, having done so much production, one of the things I knew for me that I wanted guys that were fun and talented and that they just did it because I'm not a... I don't like to micromanage or anything like that. I hire talented people because they're talented and I want them to do what they do. I'm, my idea was that I just guide everything, mm -hmm. the parameters, knowing that we're getting the story, but let them kind of do what they do best. And one of the things they do best is make me laugh and I make them laugh. And that always is important because it comes Everything comes through the lens. The lens doesn't lie. It shows lies and it shows truth. So it's it doesn't care either way. It's just going to show what it really is. And that I think you can see in our show, it was just a, a, a friggin' blast. We had a blast doing it. And we couldn't we couldn't wait to start shooting the next episode. Every episode was just different, super fun, and challenging at the same time. Yeah, I think that was one of the best things about it, too, was that you guys weren't afraid to turn the cameras on the camera crew and they were having just as much fun as you and your yeah. family. You know, that I just made the show, you know, and you said it great. It's like I couldn't wait for the next episode. And then when I got the six, 
I'm like, wait a minute, we're finished? Oh, this isn't right. It's, it's too I, short. <laughs> we felt the same way when we had our rap party. I was, I was like, we could have done 12 episodes and done it again. We thought about revisiting a second season, but then all these, all these other shows started happening and it just kind of, at this point right now, I feel like, you know, it did it, it did what it, it was supposed to do. It was, it was awesome. And I love it for what it, for what it is and what it was. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I was going to ask you about, you know, will there be another season with it? But since you're busy doing these other shows you have coming up, are, you're never going to do a, a second season till it? I, you think it's done? They never, but for me, after doing, doing something that, that was that challenging because, you know, acting as writer, producer, executive producer, line producer, like, you know, from line, and those are all different jobs from having to do the budget, you know, just doing, and then being on camera every day and then, you know, being involved in the edit and doing all the voiceover and then having to sell the show and get distribute. Like I did everything. Yeah. That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. It, it becomes, it becomes very overwhelming at, at times. And I'm not, I'm not crying about it because, you know, I have a TV show, but it is, it, it was just, it was all encompassing. And so when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, I, I did it to do it with a budget would be interesting, but to do something different in TV and do another show that's, you know, different, but produced and, you know, more just a bigger budget and things like that. That's like a different challenge. So yeah. I, I'm looking for a different challenge right now. And I mean, it's not to say that I would never go back and revisit a second season because I love doing it. But I also, there's this part of me that's like, it will, you can't go back, you know, it will, it will never be the same as it was. And I, right now I'm looking for something different and more, you know, just a different challenge. Yeah, that is true. I think, you know, if you look at it, if you go back and try to do it again, it would be totally different. It would, it would be, because now we're established. Now we, we'd have more money. Mm -hmm. It would just be. <clears throat> excuse me it would just be and it wouldn't be it wouldn't, you know not to say that it would be worth it. it would just be different and i love i cherish that memory because it started us down on a path that kind of haven't looked back it really it really solidified me and my career took off from there right now since you've grown after doing the um from scratch show and these next two do you still do um private chef or is that kind of a thing in the past now yeah yeah i don't i don't do it as much um uh, I have one client that I've had for about going on seven years and um, I've kind of shied away from it a bit and really started concentrating more on, on the TV and I have a radio show on NPR um, <clears throat> that I do. And I also do a lot of like big classes in downtown Boston in the seaport area where I'm teaching like how to make pasta from scratch for 30, 40 people mm -hmm. or we're doing dumplings or we're doing sushi or I'm doing pizza and I'm pulling fresh moths. And you can see a lot of that on my Instagram at chef Joe Gatto. 
mm-hmm. where we're doing all these exciting things with people and teaching them how to te- you know do things from scratch, which is one of my favorite things to do. So I do that a lot, and I really love that kind of interaction. I loved private chefing, but I I like the bigger classes. I like the TV and I like the radio. And I the more I do it, the more I found that that's really kind of my thing. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it the most. Right. And you've got your um, your one book, Seriously, from scratch. And have you started on or finished the one that you were talking about from scratch, uh, focus on cooking with kids? Yeah, we were we were going to do um, a kid based one um, that I was writing with my son. And then everything just kind of took off in one direction and <laughs> it's just kind of, it's still there, but we have not, we haven't gotten to the point where we're going to approach a publisher again yet. We gotcha. kind of stalled when everything else started happening. Right. Gotcha. That's great. It's hard because some I, I have so many projects and I know for me, I have to, I have to just, I have to what one to work on because it takes all of my energy. So I have to really focus. If I spread myself too thin, I'll, I'll end up with mediocre projects and I really want each project to be super special. Yeah. I, I'm feeling that now because of what I'm doing and I've got three, four different things that I'm working on that I'm trying to stay focused on, you know, right. Three of them, but it, it's hard because you want to put your attention on one then you move your attention to the other and you go back to sorry, the spinning plate syndrome, right? You got to keep them spinning. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I've just made this kind of, I've kind of made this pact with myself to really make when I'm going to choose something to choose that and make it the best I can. Because when I spread myself too thin, you know, there's just no way to put all the energy I have into something. If I'm, doing too many things at once and my art is over here my brain's over here my cooking's over here and then i'm like oh crap that's right i have to do this other thing and i you know i want to leave time to make sure that i'm spending time with my fam right we're going skiing and we have a place down in tulum in mexico and like go down there and take a vacation and i'll tell you just one of the big things this year for me has been to enjoy the moment and not always be looking and that cat carrot that's dangling in front of me. Yeah. It's an easy thing to get caught up in Mm -hmm. like, Oh, when I get this, then I'll be satisfied when this happens, then I'll be good. Mm -hmm. But it is not for people like us that are just workers and that want, to keep accomplishing things. So I've done a real purposeful thing this year and it's worked. Yeah. Uh, Enjoying my time like on my radio show, just really enjoying my time at the studio. And when I went and made chocolate with a chocolatier, like really just enjoying that couple hours of learning and not worrying about everything else, just really kind of living in the moment and realizing that I have a fantastic career I have a fantastic family and that I'm super lucky. Right. Yeah. That's how, you know, that's how I look at it is, you know, we all have the same 24 hours in a day mm-hmm. and I, I, that's what grounds me as I look at, you know, all famous people who do all these things, they have the same hours in a day that I do. 
they figured it out. So can I, you know, and that's what I'm working on and focusing on those 24 hours, you know, and I get the same joy from, I love, love interviewing people. I love their story. And most of all, I love helping people. You know, that's my background, customer service. And I love helping, you know, that's fantastic. That That's an awesome attitude because that will get you super far. And the big thing is like, I mean, that's a, that's what we're always looking at, right? Like what, what's the end goal? And I keep coming back that the end goal for me is just spending time with my family and really enjoying this time as my kids grow. And what can I do to increase that? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I've had some unfortunate events in my life. My parents passed away at a pretty young age. And, you know, I look at with my kids being 15 and 19, you know, my end goal is I want to leave something for my kids so I can have something for them as I didn't have for myself, you know? That's a, that's admirable because that's what it's, I mean, then what it boils down to, I mean, I can have all the TV shows in the world and all the radio shows in the world, but you know, getting to do it with my kids has meant even more because like my daughter Cassidy, she is a real, she is like that personality that she's just a big personality. She gets it from her and she just loves to do like anything with me. So I took her on the radio with me and we had all these ice cream makers on and she just got there to sit on the radio, eat ice cream and talk and her friends heard her. And it was like, it was great being on the radio, but I'll tell you my favorite part was the ride in and the ride back. Just wow. chat. Just, just to have that conversation with her. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. Just, goofy she is and how what that verve for life that she has and they teach me a lot at all the time especially we do a lot of painting together and stuff and they teach me to really let go Uh create and not be afraid and take chances and Uh i love having that around so i want to have that around more i think it makes me a better person and a better artist that's great yeah I'm, i'm the same way man that's you know both of my girls are their best thing that's happened to me. And on top of everything that I do, I make sure I spend time with them. If they need me, I'm there, you know? Yeah. I can tell just by talking to you that, that that's why we connect, you know? And I, I mean, that's why I find I connect with people. It's that, that common bond over family. And that's why food is such a draw for me because it's such a natural, I mean, they go hand in hand. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no two ways about it. Food and family I mean, how many times do you hear that a day? I mean, for me, it's every day. And they call the kitchen the heart of the house for a reason. Right. Yeah, I make a, um, every Wednesday, I make it a point to have dinner with my kids. And it's just them, you know, just all the three of us. And whatever we do, if we make something to the house or we go out, you know, it's it's that time, quality time with just the kids and myself, you know. It's a, you got to have it. You got to have it because it goes, my Littlest just turned five, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it goes by so fast, doesn't it? <laughs> right, because uh, like when I was growing up, I remember my mom turning forty-two and thinking, "Wow, that's she's she's gonna die soon." It's like how I thought. Like I was like, "She's she's getting really old," yeah. and now fifty-three, and I can't even. 
Fathom 53. 53? When did that happen? Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? I thought I would... I I just went to my high school reunion and I was like, wow, we are we are old. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're old, but we're not old, man. You only feel, right? right. right? <laughs> Young at heart. And I try to exercise as much as I can, but I mean, 53, right? The people would be laughing at us. Exactly. Yeah, you know, when you listen to our music now, they say, listen to this oldies. That's not oldies, that's my music. Yeah, it's oldies. Right. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, oldies? That's that's Snoop Dogg, you know, like <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, oh Chef Joe, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate this conversation. It's been a great interview. I I can't even tell you what a pleasure this has been. Anytime you want to have me on, please have me on. You're wonderful, and this was just a a great way to spend part of my day just chatting with someone like you. That I, I that really I, that humbles me a lot. I, I really appreciate that. That's, that. That's great to hear. And um, I will definitely reach out to you and, and keep in touch. And uh, can't wait for your uh, your big projects. Thanks so much. And, and if any of your audience wants to follow along and find me, it's at Chef Joe Gatto on Instagram. Everything that from my radio show to my book, everything's there. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thank you so much, Chef. Thanks, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day with those kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the QAC Team Podcast with your host, Charles Luttrell. Today, we took you beyond the restaurant table and into the kitchen with leaders and business owners in your community. For more information, visit us at qacteam.com or Facebook and Instagram at qac.team. Thanks for listening.